welcome to the Earthkeepers podcast. This podcast is for people who seek new and better ways to love and care for the earth. It's a podcast for anyone who is deeply concerned about the harm being done to the environment on a local and global level. It's a podcast that builds community and connection between people of like heart and mind, people who believe that earth care should be integrated into every aspect of life, and for many in the Earthkeepers community, that includes our spiritual lives. Welcome, friends, to the Earthkeepers podcast. Hey, Earthkeepers. We're glad to have you back with us as we launch Season 5 of the podcast in this new year. The format of this episode will be a bit different because, as is our usual custom, our executive producer James Amadon and I will be reflecting a bit on Season 4 and looking ahead to some exciting new directions for Season 5. Well, Happy New Year, James. It's great to have you on the podcast, as always. Before we start talking about the podcast, I'm really curious, how has the last year been for you in terms of earthkeeping? Yeah, it's great to be with you again, Forrest, on the podcast. And this is a great question to think about the last year in terms of my attitudes, practices, what I was thinking about in my own life of earthkeeping. And what stood out to me is that it's been a year of settling into our new home on Camino Island. Last year was the first full year that our family has lived here on the island. And it's been about exploring what that means in terms of connecting with the local community, what it means to live in a new home on a new piece of land that we have to learn to care for. And essentially, it's been about paying attention, really attuning our senses to a new place. So we've been trying to slow down and really think and see and listen. And I'll tell you one thing that's been really interesting that's helped us practice this attention is that we have an eagle's nest that is high up in a tree above our garage. And we watched as two eagles began to occupy the nest and bring sticks to build it up and get it ready. And it was clearly going to host some young because we eventually saw them begin to bring food back in shifts for these newborns that we couldn't quite see yet, but we could start to hear them as they cried out for their parents to feed them. And then all of a sudden we saw two little heads, two eaglets begin to emerge. And a couple weeks later, they began to climb on the side of the nest. They had grown a lot and we watched them stretch their wings and clearly think about taking off. And eventually one did and then the sibling followed, and they'd stay close to home, come back to the nest, and then they were gone. And we got to watch that over the course of several months, day in and day out, the drama and mystery of life right there above our garage. It was wonderful. How about you, Forrest, when you look back over the last year and your practices and understanding of earthkeeping, what was that like? Well, I think in terms of my vocation, really, part of my job is teaching community development. And I've really had to rethink the standard conceptions of what community development is. So mostly earthkeeping has been influencing my thinking in terms of what I teach. Community development tends to focus on people and on human communities. And we as community developers don't often enough think about the whole community of creation and of course, we hear about that a lot on the podcast, that we are part of a much wider world of creation. And as some of our friends have told us, we need to think of them as our relatives. 
So that for me has maybe been my point of challenge is to really think about what I teach and how I teach in terms of community development to be a bit more expensive and inclusive, I think. Yeah, I think that's great. And it's been really fun to talk with you about that and to see how it really flows into what season five is going to focus on. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I thought it'd be good to look back just a bit more to see what it is that we learned and stood out to us from season four and 2023. And I will say for me, one of the things that has been pleasantly surprising is to see the podcast continue to reach more and more people across the globe and to discover that we've been listened to in 117 countries. That was definitely an unexpected blessing. And even though we've called the podcast Earthkeepers, and even though you bring a global perspective and a lot of connections to creative Earthkeepers from around the globe, I wasn't quite expecting the scope and the spread to be so fast. How about you? When you look back at 2023 and season four, what stands out to you? Yeah, I would say the diversity of perspective has been very important. It's surprising to me, I think, in a way that shouldn't be surprising because I've always valued diversity of perspective. But I think I'm surprised at how much I've actually learned and been challenged to think in really different ways about earthkeeping by our friends from other cultures, other nationalities. I mean, for example, Edward Olara in episode 71 talked to us about the things that Uganda can teach the world about relating better to creation, about valuing our relatives and creation more highly. And I just have a clip here I want to play just to give an example of those voices that have been changing and challenging us. One of our biggest treasures here is social capital. We treasure our fellow human beings because we cannot live in isolation. No one can live in isolation. Actually, that has been honed by the age-old African philosophy of Ubuntu. That I am because you are. You are because I am. Uh, so together, me looking after you, you looking after me. Whatever I do can impact you, good or bad. So again, then that makes us live in consciousness of our actions towards not only our fellow human beings, but also the environment and nature. Also, 2023 has been uh, a year of considering experiments in our format. And so one of the experiments that we did was ask Abby Fersen to speak to us from South Africa. She's been on the podcast before. But in this case, she was actually the host and she interviewed Michael Osatie about a community food kitchen in South Africa. I think that went wonderfully well. And my hope for 2024 is to see more of that, to have more guest hosts take on the podcast. I think that's been fantastic. And along with the growth and diversity, we've realized that we need a separate place for Earthkeepers to exist, particularly on the web. So it's been fun to get uh, some volunteer design help to create a website, new logo for Earthkeepers and to get that up and running at earthkeepers.online. And we're really seeing people connect with that as well and be able to find anything they need about the podcast and to reach out and communicate to us. So I think that's a really good development that's going to help serve listeners better as we go forward as well. 
Yeah, I agree. I've been really anticipating the establishment of the website. And now that we have it, I realize I need to think practically about what we should really be doing to maybe build a community sense among EarthKeepers and give a place for exchange of ideas, etc. But that's what 2024 will be about, is living into that website and making it all it can be. I am curious to know, James, as you think back over the podcast, what have been some of the most impactful episodes to you personally? That's a great question because there's been so many that when I finished listening, I thought, oh, I've got to think about that some more. Or, oh, I know some people who need to listen to this. In terms of ones that really struck me, one of those is episode 76, Healing Our Hearts About Pilgrimage with David Pott and Daniel Rutland, talking about the value of spiritual pilgrimage. That really spoke to me because they're both from the UK and I was born in the UK and have been slowly thinking and doing some research about what that means. And they're talking about walking around ancient places where my ancestors came from. And they're talking about that walking as a spiritual practice. And I have discovered in my adult life that that is perhaps my primary spiritual practice, that when I'm walking in an attentive way in a place, I just feel deeply connected to where I am and more open to a sense of mystery and the divine. So that was one where I was listening to it and it just resonated with something deep inside me. And I'm so appreciative for what they do and how they invite people into that. Yeah, I agree. That was a powerful episode. I wonder if you want us to play a clip from that to give our readers a sense of what it is you're talking about. If there are listeners who didn't get a chance to listen to it, I invite you to go back and find it. You become much more attuned to the place you're walking through in a way that you never do if you're simply just driving through it or, or sitting in a house there. You notice the geology, you notice the change as you walk from one kind of geology to another and how that impacts the landscape, the plants, the people, the things that are happening there, the building materials, everything changes. So you really get the connection with the earth in a way that you can't really find any other way, I think. And to me, that really underlies everything that I maybe do elsewhere around earth care in the sense that I think it has to come from that direct personal encounter, that knowledge, which is the only way that you can experience love for something, really. You, you can't do that in a generic, generalized way. You have to literally be there and touch it and feel it and know it. So that was a really meaningful episode to me. How about for you, Forrest? Yeah, I think, again, it's hard to choose, but perhaps the most exciting episode for me in terms of diversity of perspective was with Mohammed Asfour from Jordan. I think it was so intriguing to get his comments about the kinds of earthkeeping challenges that they face, which are really different from many parts of the world. And so it was helpful to have my understanding of the work of earthkeeping expanded in that way. Well, those are great examples from season four. Our major theme was climate crisis and the young, and we had several episodes focusing on that. I know you were really keen on exploring that with some of our young adults. What did we learn? What did you learn as you talked to the young people among us? Well, I think honestly, a lot of my deeper questions about climate change and younger generations stem from my daughter's life. I mean, we talk about these things and I understand from her perspective just how hard it is to think about 
a climate crisis future, as she might put it. The more profound cost to younger folks, I think, is something that we don't always acknowledge. But again, it's their future that they're trying to grapple with. And so I felt it was important that in this last season that we pay attention more to younger voices and to learn from them. For example, in episode 82, Tori Goble talked to us about the need to acknowledge climate anxiety as a present reality for the young. In fact, I'm going to play a clip here of Tori talking about that very thing. Another major focus for young people, and it's a new area within the climate movement, is eco-anxiety, eco-grief. This overwhelming anxiety related to the realities of the climate crisis and environmental degradation in our communities. It is a growing field within the climate space, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that young people are really facing climate anxiety. This is quite literally our future. Yeah, that was a powerful episode. And as I listened to that one and others, what struck me is that the young people we spoke with, they understand where the anxiety comes from. They understand that the future is very uncertain. And at the same time, as they talk about anxiety and despair, we also heard them maintaining hope, talk about how they maintain hope, even in the midst of dark times. And the episode that stood out to me the most with that was number 73, Life, Death, and Compost Theology with Wes Willison. I loved how he draws hope from the metaphor of compost, where we take things that are dying or decaying, put them together, cover them up, and eventually new life springs from them. Such a great metaphor for the time that we're in. And if we can, I'd love to play a clip from him as well. Compost is a never-ending mystery because it's kind of the one point where you can see the other side of death. You can see what happens after death and how food does come back, that good things do return, that there's a whole wealth that happens at the moment of death and after it, that it's not as dead as everything looks, right? It's not as dark as everyone assumes. You know, whether it's songs of glory, songs of celebration, whether it's, you know, name it and claim it or whatever your gospel might be, theology of the compost is a theology of death. Healthy things grow in healthy soil, but if you don't have healthy soil, nothing healthy will grow. And that is just a reality of farming. Like you have to attend to that. That has to be day one. You, you cannot start with the plant if the soil is not healthy. And if you care about the plant and don't understand the soil, well, you don't really understand the providence of the death that's made this space for your fertility. I think it really is the richest idea that I learned from the farminary. It's a beautiful, beautiful instantiation of what most of the time I treat as a metaphor, right? Resurrection. And then when you stand in the compost pile, it's not just a metaphor anymore. Yeah, I really loved that episode as well. I think really in that episode and others, I had to think a lot about the implications of what these young folks were saying for the future of spirituality, the future of religious communities. And I would say that one of the things that I heard a lot about was the fact that younger folks are looking to creation as a means to encounter God. In other words, in nature, they see the nature of God. And that's becoming a really important way of mediating between them and God that maybe the conventional churches, for example, don't always pay enough attention to. I thought in episode 78, Nick Rubesh was really articulate in explaining 
the nature of that new sort of connection that for him has been very sustaining. From a spiritual perspective, from my own Christian faith, creation has been like the plumb line of faith is how I'll describe it. Without those experiences, I don't know if I would still be a Christian because I think in my experience, that is where I feel intimacy with God in a way that I haven't felt in other places. It's just a general place where I feel the presence of Christ in a really tangible way. And that's why I believe in the work that we do. It's a tangible way that people can experience the intimacy of Christ in a way that's sometimes not accessible anywhere else. Oh, I love what Nick has to say there. Very, very important. It's been really interesting, not just with these episodes, but you know, you and I, through our larger work with Circlewood, which is the parent ministry of this podcast, have gotten more and more opportunities to listen to and speak with young adults. And one of those opportunities I had was to be part of a workshop at Westmont College this past summer, helping college students become climate activists in their home communities and churches. Lots of passion there. And a project that has come out of there is something we're going to be involved in, which is launching a new podcast that is being produced by and for young people as they think through the climate crisis and what it means for them as individuals and for the future of the planet. So that's upcoming. Very exciting. In terms of this podcast, season five, which is launching now, I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the overarching theme of this season. Yeah. In this next season, we're going to be looking at greening vocations. In other words, we'll look at what creation care sensibilities have to do with the jobs that we do. We are going to focus on typically green vocations like environmental scientist or park ranger. Instead, we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to green everything? Which is a question we often ask on the podcast. In this case, what does it mean to green all vocations? So is it possible to incorporate environmental sensibilities and practices into any and every job? Yeah, I'm really excited about this because it includes everybody, whether someone is a homemaker or a psychologist or a teacher at the local elementary school, whether they're a construction worker, any vocation, any career, any job, any work that we do can become more ecologically conscious. And we have seen over these past few years, there are people in various vocations working on this very thing. And in fact, we highlighted a few of those in the last season. I think of our own architect, David Vandervoort, who's on our team, our design and development team for Circlewood Village here on Camino Island. In episode 88, Building Green, he talks about how he is about the business of designing buildings that are actually good for the environment. And here's a clip from that episode. I actually don't see myself as an outlier. I see myself as one of many passionate architects who are pursuing this cause builders as well. And I think the the challenge now and the thing that I am hopeful that we are getting toward is the thinking past sustainability. So this pursuit of reversing global warming and finding ways to be more regenerative is kind of the next step up from thinking sustainably. Yeah, I feel fortunate that we get to talk to David all the time about how he thinks in green terms about designing and building. And speaking of Camino Island, we also have a mutual friend who sells coffee and roasts coffee and distributes it. That's TJ Bittis. 
He represents Camino Island Coffee, and he actually will be in episode 96. TJ has just a lot of vision for making his work more than making profit. TJ helps us to understand how we can sell a product in a way that promotes environmentally sound agriculture, for example, or educates consumers about the way that they can practice good earthkeeping through their purchases. Well, I'm excited about what's in store for season five. And I'm also excited about the ways that listeners can engage and even support the work of this podcast. Maybe we could talk about a few of those. Well, one thing that's very simple is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to podcasts on. If you subscribe, that means it's more likely that you'll not miss an episode, but it also helps us in terms of our metrics. And I mentioned earlier our new website, earthkeepers.online. And there's a place right on the homepage where listeners can sign up for updates that'll come straight from you, Forrest. And I think that's a great way to learn more about what's going on and to get connected to the Earthkeepers community. Also, I think it's important for us if you can leave a review as a listener. Apple Podcasts in particular, they're the organization that most people look to for podcast reviews. And even if you aren't a listener to Apple Podcasts, if you go to that platform and leave a review, it definitely helps us. And leaving a review on Apple Podcasts is really easy. And another easy thing you can do if you are so moved is to support the Earthkeepers podcast financially, because while we offer it free to everybody, it's not free to produce. So it takes a team of people from concept and idea and planning to recording and producing and even post-production work to put it in a, a format that's really accessible and engaging for listeners. So it's made possible through Circlewood, our parent organization, and those that support Circlewood, but you can give a gift straight to Earthkeepers right through our website. So if that's something that you're able to do, we would really appreciate it and help us continue to grow and expand this work. One of my dreams for the podcast in the coming year is to see us become maybe more crowdsourced, to use a term that describes the way that as a community, we can take part in shaping the podcast. And I really hope that people will think about guests that they know of that maybe we should interview and that they might forward those names to me and even better to make an introduction to those folks. And the easiest way to do that is again through the website, either to leave an email or a voicemail. So I'm really hoping that we get a lot of input from listeners about who we can actually involve in the podcast. Yeah, and we really do value that communication. And people have shaped previous episodes just by reaching out and telling us what they care about and what they want to hear. Well, James, what are you looking forward to in the new year? Well, in addition to season five, I am looking forward to the next step for Circlewood Village, which is our retreat and learning center here on Camino. We're getting really close to being able to start our first construction project it's going to open up all kinds of possibilities for education and creative work. And I just can't wait to see it happen. How about you, Forrest? Well, I feel like to say this publicly kind of commits me in a way, but I think this is the year I'm going to move to Camino Island. <laughs> it's a big move for me, but it feels like this is the time, especially because I'll be more and more involved in the things that we're doing on the land 
So I really need to be part of that community. So you heard it here. I'm probably moving, maybe even as early as next summer. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Kameno is ready to receive you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'd say also this for me is uh, your vocational transition. I'll be teaching less at the university level and thinking about how we can do more education on behalf of Circlewood, actually, and on behalf of Earthkeepers. So there'll be a lot of creative thinking about new offerings in that sense as well. Yeah, I really think this is a time when we need to think outside the box of traditional institutions and education, and I'm excited for what we'll be able to do together. Well, in closing, let's wish a happy new year to all our listeners. We're grateful for you and hope that the upcoming season is really helpful to you. So here we go, friends, with a brand new season of the Earthkeepers podcast. If you want to listen to any of the episodes we mentioned, check out the show notes at earthkeepers.online. On that website, you'll find links to all of our past episodes, and we encourage you to use those links to share specific episodes with people in your life who would benefit from hearing them. I'm Forrest Inslee, your podcast host. Our executive producer is James Avedon, and our producer is Dave Olfers. Colleen Megerly is our editor and researcher. Forrest Reed is the creator of our original music. And Jessalyn Gentry is our social media director. Thank you, friends, for listening. And please join us for our next conversation on the Earthkeepers podcast.